Crucifixion days, long hours, the rabble going crazy, and it's not like you get overtime pay or bonuses for it. Well, except for this time, but we'll get to that later. It's usually the same routine for me and the other Roman guards. Tie the guy to the cross piece, encourage him along the road with the pointy end of a spear, do all the nailing in, and then it's just crowd control for a few hours until you take the guy down again. But this one was weird from word go. Jesus didn't act like any of the others I'd seen, and it wasn't just the whipping they'd given him ahead of time that made him act differently. Even amidst all the pain and knowing his death was imminent, it still seemed like he was concerned about others, his friends and followers, the two guys he was being executed with, even me. He was talking about forgiveness for all the things we were doing to him. Then it all got really spooky, the sky going dark, rumors of dead prophets being seen around town. He died pretty quickly, not much of a surprise after the treatment we'd given him. I didn't know much about him, but it became pretty apparent he had both friends and enemies in high places. Some rich guy managed to pull some strings to have him buried in a proper stone tomb. That was a first for me, considering our usual clientele. Then it got all political, and all of a sudden we got reassigned. A full weekend's work. Not just execution logistics duty, but now the ridiculous job of guarding a dead person in a sealed tomb. Although it turned out not to be as ridiculous as we'd all thought. All right, I'll admit to you, but don't go telling anyone else, or that'll be it for my career. There's a chance I might have dozed off for a while on the second night, and I, and I woke up to this blinding flash of light. Was it a person? Was it some weird lightning? Was it just a hallucination? I still don't have a clue, but I was terrified. I'd never seen anything like it, and I must have passed out at that point. When me and the boys came too, that's when the real terror set in. We all realized it was more than just a hallucination because the tomb was open and Jesus' body was missing. The boys were convinced it was angels or spirits or something. Whatever it was, I knew we were in trouble. This was career ending for us. It could even be our lives on the line for failing in our duty so badly. Eventually, we went to see the Jewish chief priests who had engineered this weird guard duty. We tried to explain what had happened, but I knew we weren't making a lot of sense and didn't for a moment think they'd believe us. But they did believe us. Or at least, they believed us enough to get really panicked about it. They huddled together, whispering about something, and then started getting bags of money out. It was a lot of money, and they said it was ours as long as we told anyone who asked that the disciples had come and stolen the body in the night when we were asleep. I explained that if word got out that we were asleep on guard duty, uh, no amount of money could buy us out or of trouble with our centurion. But they said they'd sort it out with the governor, so what could we do? Try and explain what had actually happened to the governor and probably be executed, or take the money and hope for the best. What sort of man could have provoked this much attention? But even as I'm telling you this, I'm remembering what my centurion said when he saw Jesus die. It was more than an exclamation. It was like a realization. It was so unlike him. He just cried out, 
Surely he was the son of God. Maybe that's why they wanted it all hushed up. Maybe it's nothing to do with just keeping the peace. Maybe it was an angel we saw. Maybe we actually executed the son of God. Maybe he really did come back to life like they're all saying. If it's true, this changes everything. Thank you, guest performance from Charlie McClelland. Um, <laughs> this changes everything. This is what we're going to be looking at this morning. This is what we are celebrating this morning. Uh, happy Easter, one and all. It's very good to have you with us, uh, particularly if you're uh, back home or visiting us this morning. Uh, you are most welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Um, uh, the Easter story itself is going to be told in, uh, in three parts this morning, uh, three different perspectives um, uh, of uh, stories that are told. We've had the guard, and there are two more to come. Hang on to your seats, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's uh, an all-age uh, together time, so we're going to all be in this, uh, this room together for the morning. Um, uh, if you are younger, there are some special elements for you. Again, hold on for a little while. You will see what they are in just a few moments. Um, uh, a few things to let you know about uh, that are coming up. Uh, first of all, uh, the Baptist Assembly uh, is nearly upon us. Well, a couple of months away. Uh, 16th, 18th of June. Um, please do uh, mark it and consider whether you'd be interested in going. Next Sunday, we have the grand return of ND and Emma are going to be joining with us. Um, so Andy's going to be leading the service, so uh, not one to be missed. He's going to be introducing, uh, well, yeah, the, 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 the prologue, really, to uh, the series that we're going to be having over this next term on discipleship. Um, and Andy's going to do the all-encompassing what is discipleship next week. Um, as always, uh, if you'd like someone to pray with you after the, the service, uh, there will be people waiting for you at the back. Um, uh, we're going to sing now because it kind of feels like a celebratory moment. Um, uh, Beth is going to be leading us this morning. Thank you very much. Oh, this one um, has signs, I think. So if Penny, could you come and help? And anyone else who learns how to do the signs, do come up and join her. Yeah, do come. Jesus is our friend. Jesus is our 
Jesus rose again. Jesus is alive. Excellent. Seats. Um, right, we will put off the torture no longer. Um, uh, uh, younger members of the congregation, and I do mean younger members. I've already had to have a word with Les Finden because I'm a little bit worried that he's going to start pushing people out of the way in this next part of the service. But if you consider yourself a younger member, you may have spotted a few Easter eggs around the place. <gasps> now is the time. It's Easter egg. So um, uh, what I'd like you to do is uh, wander around the church and find Easter eggs. Rumour has it there are 106 of these things. (laughs) Um, So parents, I apologise now, uh, but it's going to be sugar rush for the rest of the day, but you knew that anyway. So um, I would like to suggest if you find more than five or six or ten, that's quite a number, um, you might want to share them. Maybe even with a grown-up, because the old grown-up likes chocolate as well. So, um, yeah, please do feel free to wander around and see what you can find. (laughs) Impressive bit of bravery there. (laughs) Oh, lost one at the last hurdle. That's a shame, that is. This is where you just really regret having such small hands, isn't it? So as I say, please do feel free to share because I think you've probably got enough Easter eggs to uh, keep you going for a little while now. Les, did you get one yet? You got one. Three? Okay, that's impressive. Ladies and gentlemen, you are feeling generous. Mark on egg distribution duty. Thank you very much. Okay, when you <laughs> when you uh, feel like you've exhausted your um, egg hunting, and no, these two are mine. I'm sorry, that's just privilege. Um, uh, uh, when you finished your uh, exhausting your egg hunting, we do actually have some crafts over here. So again, probably limited to younger members, but we can go with the flow this morning. Um, thanks, Penny. Appreciate your flexibility. So uh, uh, please, from this point and any other point during the service, do feel free to just wander over to this side and engage in some Easter-related crafts. Thank you very much. It felt like the longest walk of my life. Cleopas and I have walked these seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus several times a week, but this time it felt like it was going to last forever. We just couldn't believe it had happened. There was so much hope in us earlier in the week. But then Friday came and we realised it was all over. Cleopas kept on saying over and over, I don't understand, how can he be dead? All the prophecies pointed towards him being the Messiah. We must have been really engrossed in the conversation because neither of us even noticed the stranger catch up and start walking alongside us. Before you ask, I know, all right? Everyone asks the same question. How on earth could we not recognise the very person we were talking about? Maybe the sun was in our eyes. Maybe it was the psychological impact of the trauma. Maybe it was just that 
Well, I don't know. He was supposed to be dead. We thought he was just talking spiritually about coming back to life. We didn't expect him to be stepping out and going for a stroll on that dusty road just a few hours after he'd stepped out of the tomb. I know. Looking back, we should have worked it out before we did. He just listened as Cleopas and I were telling him everything that had happened. Well, everything that had happened to him. It was a little embarrassing now to think about it, like he didn't already know he'd been crucified. And then he started speaking with such authority and wisdom. Even his trademark kindness and gentleness. We should have known that no one else could speak like that. He must have told us those things before. But everything we'd spent our lives hearing about in the Torah and the prophets just fell into place and made sense. It was one of those conversations you just know will change the way you think forever. Even before we recognised him, we knew that the women who had seen him were telling the truth. It was like our hearts were burning with this fire. We talked for years about the Messiah redeeming Israel, but in that moment, it felt like the Messiah had somehow redeemed us, that we were changed, that everything was changed. We didn't want the conversation to end, although we virtually had to drag Jesus into the house when we got there. I've still no idea where he was heading off to. Cleopas said he had an inkling that it was him when we got into the house, but you know what Cleopas is like. I think we both know that it was when he prayed and gave thanks that we actually recognised him. There was something about his face that lit up. The familiarity of that conversation with his father as he prayed that was unmistakable. And then he just went, disappeared, gone. But that, that was the turning point of my whole life, like a calling that I couldn't escape from. Whatever I thought my life was about up until that point became like dust. All the things I'd been striving to do and achieve seemed so pointless. It wasn't just that Jesus had changed the course of my life. I knew I needed to give my whole life to telling other people about him too. To go to the ends of the earth, to turn the whole world upside down if necessary. This event, this reality, this meeting of heaven and earth, this stepping from our world and glimpsing eternity changes the course of all our lives, mine and yours. This changes everything. Do you stand to sing?
of love and peace. We thank you for Easter Day, where we celebrate your rising. Help us to really celebrate today and feel your love. I love this song, the way that it draws on your, your love and your peace and really makes us think about that. And we praise you for that, Lord. Amen. And the next song is again one with signs. I'm not very good at signing and singing, you may have noticed. So if anyone can come and help me, please do. Okay, so you'll have gathered. I know this isn't the biggest uh, piece of paper you'll ever see, is it? This changes everything. This is the whole point of our thinking this morning, and the, the craft that we'll see in a bit uh, is going to be a visual expression of this very important truth that this day, this resurrection day, changes everything. And I wonder, um, who is it we identify? I mean, there is another character to come, but, but the guard with that sense of realization, or maybe there's something happened here. And as he thought about it, and as he, it was more than just knowledge, wasn't it? He, he said more, it was about uh, realization. A bit like the travelers on the road to Emmaus, a sense of realization. Is that our experience? It's certainly mine. And more uh, that, that um, I, I travel um, uh, uh, shoddily with Jesus, the more I realize uh, that it changes everything. Oh, and we know, don't we, from, from, the gospel, from, the, from the gospel, from the Bible, that encounters with Jesus involve change, often dramatic change. Um, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, this is me realizing, I remembered us at the, just how amazing uh, um, it was that when Jesus called his disciples, just how that, that changed uh, the whole way of um, following a rabbi. More of that to come. But... Um, 
it's often the case that the changes we read about in the Bible, we don't get the full story because some of the cultural significance is lost. Not today. Um, today, we celebrate on this resurrection day the most significant changes that we encounter uh, with Jesus from death to life, from, from defeat to victory, from desolation to restoration. It changed everything. It didn't get, it doesn't get more significant than this. It changes everything. Um, and it, it, as I was thinking about this, um, I, I kind of re- remembered um, an account uh, of the start of Jesus's public ministry, right towards the start. Um, and you'll remember this, I would love to have been there. You could have cut the atmosphere, I'm sure, with a knife. Um, uh, Luke tells it like this. At chapter 4, starting verse 14, Jesus says, sorry, Luke says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd grown up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing more of this manifesto for change good news for the poor that would have been radical freedom for the prisoners recovery of sight to the blind release for the oppressed can you imagine as a prisoner locked in a cell, unable to do anything unless the guards allowed it. Being blind, unable to be involved in community, unable to play, to work, to enjoy God's creation. And to be oppressed, treated as less than human. Jesus came to change these limitations on our status, to bring freedom, to bring sight, to bring release. Now, I guess only a few of us get to see this. Um, But through the power of YouTube, we get a chance to have a quick look at a couple of examples um, of this sort of change. Change that if we've followed Jesus for years, um, I wonder whether we just forget how profound it is. That change from, uh, well, we'll see. There are two um, short clips um, where we see massive changes to human lives limited by medical conditions. And uh, we'll hear a bit more how Jesus' resurrection offers offers massive change to lives limited by the human condition. Okay, so uh, I can see lights are about to go out. Um, Get your tissues ready. I watched this yesterday. I was like, maybe it was the hay fever. I don't know. But anyway, here we go. Oh, this time when I say go, they'll both be on together, okay? 
So, that, so do you want to watch his face? Yeah. And it's going to be on in three, two, one, go. Hi, buddy. Hi, Christopher. Hi, Christopher. Fran's a really awesome person, and everyone on the team loves him and knew how much it would mean to him. Look at us, To give him that opportunity to see something that all of us see every day and take for granted almost, uh, was really special. Both the balloons! Oh my god! Leave them on, leave them on. <laughs> I remember there was this one yellow leaf on a tree, like straight ahead of me, and as soon as I put them on, like it just popped out, like like straight here. Like it wasn't like a light brownish gray color. Like it was, it was yellow. I just can't, I can't imagine um, what it's like not to hear things or to hear in a muffled way but then when it, it clicks on and it changes everything when everything is grey or, or just it's very no, no sense of you know uh, colour and then to put the glasses on uh, it changes everything um, I love that bit when he says oh they're not all the same <laughs> so he must have kind of known that they weren't but he couldn't see that he couldn't experience it changes everything um, and so um, Jesus comes, doesn't he, to change everything. His resurrection changes everything. Um, and for some of us, it's that growing realization. Um, for some of us, we've been following Jesus for, for weeks, months, years, decades. Um, and I just wondered uh, today whether we just would remember just how uh, the resurrection changes everything. Uh, Fran? Oh. It says this changes everything. <laughs> Sorry, we should get yeah. We, we get bigger piece of paper next year, don't we? 
Uh, and, and this is the craft. I nabbed it from the, the craft table. So this changes everything. There, nice one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so. Jesus comes to change the stuff that lies at the heart of our condition. It's not just to iron out the wrinkles, is it? He does that as well. But the resurrection is about big change. He changes everything. What it means to be uh, human, how we live our lives, changes everything. Um, and I guess sometimes we don't feel that. Sometimes, you know, it, it's like the day-to-day. But Jesus' resurrection changes everything. And so uh, it, it, that's what I wanted us to reflect on today in our, in our lives, like the, the lives of the guard, the lives of the travelers on the road to Emmaus, that sense of uh, realization perhaps, or something more significant, a change, like, like on the videos. It doesn't matter, but that we know that, that Jesus' resurrection changes everything. So we're going to just say some prayers together now, um, and um, what I wondered was whether um, we could, I'll start us off with just some short statements, and we might respond together, this changes everything. Um, so for example, we might say, uh, I might say, I will say, <laughs> uh, we are forgiven, and, and we might all say together, this changes everything. Uh, I might say, we are loved by God. And we might say together, this changes everything. So I think the, so I've got three to get us going. And then um, it'd be lovely if, if we could, you know, um, as we feel led, just to say a short statement. And we'll respond by saying, this changes everything. And I've got two or three to end with. Okay, so uh, let's um, join together and just hear what God's got to say to us through each other. So three things from me, and then let's open it up. Firstly, you overcame death. This changes everything. Nothing can separate us from your love. This changes everything. We can, therefore, stand firm. This changes everything. changes everything this changes everything this changes everything this changes everything This changes everything. Mm. This changes everything. Mm. This changes everything. This changes everything. This changes everything. We have been set free. 
This changes everything. And you reign. Come. Changes everything. This changes everything. And lastly, you, you overcame death. This changes everything. Okay. Um, so, um, I, we just wondered, we're again, still in, in, in prayer. Um, is any news, any, anything that anyone would like to share? I know Ken and Andrea have been poorly um, with bad cases of COVID. And I think um, Ken's been admitted to hospital this morning. So, let's pray for them. Any, anything else or anyone else that we want to pray? For whom we want to pray? Okay, well, let's play, pray for Ken and Andrea. Heavenly Father, we, we trust Ken and Andrea to you. Um, and we pray that um, you'd be with them now in a very tangible way. Um, and that, uh, that you'd give skill and wisdom to the medical team as they... Uh, care for for Ken in particular. Um, Lord, thank you that we can trust them to you. And that changes everything. Amen. We're going to sing another song now. Um, it's a really lovely one, actually. I'm not sure how well-known it is, but do uh, join in if you know it. And I think there are signs again. <laughs> Yay. Um, so, Penny, if you could come and help, <laughs> that would be awesome. And any of the kids, if you've finished your craft, do come and join in.
I think I've always struggled with being accepted. Even when I was little, I seemed to push away people who loved me and wanted to look after me. I know my mother tried her best, but I can see my self-destructive behavior, fighting against anyone that tried to tell me I was worthy of love, that I could be loved, and love in return. And that pattern seems to have been the theme that's haunted my adult life. I'm sure you've all heard the rumors about me. They're not true, but I can certainly identify with a woman who gets caught up in a lifestyle that feeds that demon of self-loathing. But then he came along and changed everything. I'd never met a man that looked at me with love before, not real love. That look, piercing my soul, seeing me exactly as I am, the messiness of my life and motivations, the truth behind my own self-image and the barriers I put up, seeing all that and still loving me, still believing in who I was created to be and believing that I could become that person. I'd never known that love like that was possible to find, how it could turn my whole life around, how it would remake me, remake the way I thought and felt and acted. I would have followed him anywhere, even when I knew it was dangerous to be associated with him as he was being executed. I just couldn't leave him. He'd been the source of the most beautiful moments of my life. And hanging there on that cross, he had become the source of the most painful moment. Seeing his heart pierced by that cruel spear, I knew my own heart had broken and could never be mended. I don't know why we went to the tomb on Sunday morning, all prepared with spices we knew we wouldn't be able to put on the body. I just needed to be near the place he was buried. And I guess the others hoped that maybe there would be a way to get into the tomb somehow. But when we got there, we were just so confused. We wondered if we'd got the right tomb to begin with. That huge stone just pushed to one side. It would have taken an army to move it. And the army that was supposed to be there had all gone. It was all too much to try and comprehend. I just stood there crying, not knowing what to do with myself or what this all meant. I remember the men talking to me. I, I guess they were angels, but I couldn't make any sense of it. Asking me why I was crying seemed such a strange question to ask in that moment. And, and then this other man appeared. I didn't really look at him at first. And there was that question again, why am I crying? In that moment, I'd guessed he worked there, so I thought he might know what on earth had happened and where Jesus' body might be. I asked him if he'd taken it somewhere. And then, the moment I will remember for the rest of my life, it changed everything. He just said my name, but in that one word was everything. It was the man that knew everything about the woman behind that name that really saw me. El Roy, the God who sees, as Hagar had first called him. The one who sees and loves and calls and smiles like no one else. This wasn't the end of the story I had believed and been devastated by just two days earlier. It wasn't the end of the story at all. It was the turning point. Jesus was alive. This moment changed my life. It changed my broken heart into a heart that sings. It changed history. It changed the world. This changes everything.
Right, please stand for our last song. We need big lungs for this one. <laughs> seat. I was chatting to Gary just before the service and he was um, uh, saying something that he'd, that he'd heard yesterday um, about the, the stone not being moved so Jesus could get out because you know big stones don't really stop Jesus that much. The stone was moved away so we could see in and that looking into the tomb this is the thing that changes everything. Changes everything for uh, the disciples back then and changes everything for us today. 
So please go, enjoy chocolate and the rest of your Easter day. And we'll see you back here next Sunday. Thank you.